I, I wasn't yeah. sure I had to wait for the matchup. No, you could, the matchup set. So yeah. Okay. See how it is. All the way to the finals, baby. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. It's Tuesday, so that means it's the first look edition for week five. It also means I'm Dave Lachran, joined by Ben Rasa, and as always, Sal Vetri. Got a lot to talk about today. We're going to try and keep this show relatively short, you know, within 50 minutes to the hour, but still hit on everything to get you started at your first look. A little preliminary view at each position. Uh, anyway, we're happy to have everyone with us. Before we dive into all of this, Sal, congrats on a big week, man. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good week. I was sweating Darren Waller trying to – so basically it came down to Darren Waller to try and win that contest. Um, he would have needed to have like eight more points in like the final drive or so. So I was sweating a touchdown on that final drive where – I think it was – who got in? Like Zay Jones or Nelson Aguilar got in. Um, they attempted a pass to him in the end zone. I was like overthrown and yeah, the, every single pass and everything at that point, I was like dropping to the floor. It was a lovely sweat. Uh, it always is. Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. got that uh, corner end zone touchdown. He almost had two as a matter of fact, but one was called yeah. back. Ben, uh, the, the team that, that really helped Sal did not help you and myself nearly as much Dallas Cowboys. Just, I, I don't even, the thing is, I don't even know if you call it garbage time at this no, point because it's garbage. They're they're actually making pushes down by a hundred points and then make the game inch. I don't know what I don't know what to make of this team anymore. They're a true they're truly an abomination to the sport of football. Yeah, they're garbage. Um, it's not to say that playing them was garbage by any stretch. No, 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 of just, course not. It's just the manner in which this is happening is it it trumps everything else. Like no matter where you were on that slate, if you didn't have exposure to that game, it didn't matter. And I had some teams. Got to mix in, got to shark, uh, set up nicely, but Dak is just playing at a different level. Um, we're certainly going to be talking about their matchup once again this week, but yeah, it's interesting. I also want to give, they weren't on the main slate, but all you're complaining quarter of the season and you're in first place. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have to say about that fella? I'll say this. First of all, uh, agreed. Playing the Cowboys is a smart idea. It's just, having no idea what's going to happen is, is brutal. And uh, I, I had a good amount of Zeke. I thought it would be one of those spots where like I even said to you before the season or before the week started that I thought the line would move more towards Dallas. I think you agreed. Yeah. Uh, instead it moved the opposite direction and Cleveland ended up hanging a hundred points on him. So yeah, Philadelphia Eagles one, two and one sitting in sole possession of first place in the NFC East. Just an absolute joke, but we'll take it. I don't know. That whole division is is truly a travesty, man, from Dallas to, to Washington to the Giants and the Eagles dealing with myriad injuries once again. Let's dive into it. A couple of things before we get to the positions. Uh, Sal, just a few pieces of very relevant news throughout the league. Bill O'Brien fired as the head coach of the Houston Texans. On Twitter yesterday, I equated this to uh, the coaching version of an F5 tornado. Rips through a town, in this case, the, the organization, leaves a ton of damage, right? Irreparable damage, and then he's gone. Never to come back, nowhere to be seen again. 
You get them out of your town, you get them out of your organization, that's all well and good, but the damage has been done. It's extensive. And now they're left cleaning up the rubble, sifting through everything to, you know, try and find some semblance of life. It's really bad in Texas, in Houston. Yeah, and it's going to be, uh, it seems like it's probably going to have to last a couple of years unless they do some dramatic things with contracts. Because, I mean, like, look at what they're doing right now. Brandon Cooks, goose eggs. I mean, they gave him a big contract. Randall Cobb is a big contract. This past week in a pretty big game for them, two catches. David Johnson, Duke Johnson comes back for one week and on a per-touch basis, as he has, like, his whole career, looks really good and probably better than David Johnson. So, yeah, you're leaving all these pieces behind. It's going to be interesting to see, like, will this new regime, it's like, personnel-wise for this year, like, does Duke Johnson just get on the field more now since David Johnson seemed to be, like, all Bill O'Brien? Those types of things. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. They got a lot of lot of money tied up in some old aging veterans, so not great. It's bad. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill O'Brien goes and coaches Jacksonville next year, and this was just a ploy to make one team in that division way worse when he plays them <laughs> twice a season. It's really bad. Chess, bad. not He's, checkers. What's that? Chess, not checkers. Exactly. Uh, as they say in the political world, 3D chess. Ben, yeah, with Bill O'Brien, he's – yeah, you like that? 4D. He's, um, he's gone, but it's bad there. I guess the problem now is we don't necessarily know what things are going to look like in the backfield because Duke Johnson returned uh, and took away some opportunities for David Johnson, cut into his uh, workload pretty heavily both in terms of routes run uh, and even running back carry share. And now you've got them coming in – to a game where they face uh, the aforementioned Jacksonville Jaguars who got slaughtered by Joe Mix and they've allowed more carries inside the red zone, the running backs than any team in the league. And, you know, we have to make that decision whether or not we want to touch this backfield with a new coach. Yeah. Romeo Cornell takes over. They're just a mess. And listen, Bill O'Brien, not to mention, not that this is pertinent for this week. They also have no draft picks, basically. Somehow they mortgaged the future to be (laughs) 0 and 4. Um, So they're just a disaster. But again, it's not to say we have to just ignore them. We we can't do that. They still have some big time players and Deshaun Watson, although he's been disappointing, even despite that offensive line, a, a home matchup with the Jaguars has to keep you in consideration. So that's one of the many things we have to consider for this slate. Mike Campbell said, Lafayette D, the real question is, are you going to bounce back in the prop market? I told you yesterday during the Monday show, uh, had a bad week. It's the first bad week betting player props I've had all season. Matter of fact, I've been crushing them. Uh, This was a bad one, Ben. You bounce back, you get through. uh, Like I had Ezekiel Elliott having far more rushing yards than that. Uh, Yeah, it was like I had Robert Woods under under five and a half receptions. I think he had six for like 20 yards or something egregious, six for 20. I don't know, but you know, no excuses. It's a bad week. We bounce back. You know, it's a, it's the long game. A couple of injuries here, and then we'll get into the positions. Nick Chubb out for a while. Austin Eckler with what seems to be a serious hamstring injury. Uh, Julio Jones left yesterday's game. I believe that was also a hamstring injury. So that's not good. Uh, God, uh, Sam Darnold, has that AC joint sprain. They're now saying they don't expect him to play, even though it appears he's lobbying to get in there. And then Noah Fant looks like he'll probably be out as well against the Patriots. So uh, a lot, another another laundry list of, of very relevant names that are hitting the IR or won't be active for the coming weeks. So. Yeah, um, it, it's it's becoming sort of a trend at this point, but it's almost crazy because all these injuries continue to happen. Um, just like looking at the point totals and we're going up. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen what might be a 35 team implied total in KC this week. 
and just all this stuff. So there's like big playmakers missing games right now, but I guess as long as most of these teams quarterbacks that are functional are in there, Vegas doesn't really seem to mind. Let's talk uh, quarterbacks. I'll stick with you, Sal. We've got uh, Lamar Jackson coming off what we expected to see all season, a strong performance. Was it, was it killer? No, but it was really good. He had a beautiful, beautiful 50 yard touchdown scamper right through the middle of those tackles. He completed 14 of only 21 attempts, two touchdowns. I was shocked. Oh, I also had uh, Dwayne Haskins having a bad game. And of course he completes like 85% of his passes or something absurd like that. I don't know. Again, not fun. What, what are we doing at the top of the position where you've got Lamar at 7,900 using DraftKings pricing to make it easier to reference Patrick Mahomes at 77 against the Raiders, Josh Allen against Tennessee 7,500. All those tests came back negative again. It appears they will be active this week for week five. Uh, and then Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray at 74 and 7,200 respectively. Those are your guys above 7k, five different quarterbacks. Yeah, so usually for Lamar, like I'm going to try and prioritize him in cash like every week and just go from there and see if there's enough value at wide receiver running back for the most part. So I, I don't get him a lot in tournaments because for most of my lineups, I'll try and do a full-on game stack with two of his pass catchers. And we know that Andrews and Brown are probably going to be the guys that you want there, but they don't usually get a ton of volume um, to really get you there. So I don't usually get a lot of Lamar because of that reason from a game stack perspective. So I'd probably lean to more Mahomes and GPPs and more Lamar and cash if there's enough value there. But yeah, it's hard to want to get away from Dak at $7,400. I, I do think that there is at some point going to be a really bad offense. And it's probably this week with the Giants that they face that just can't keep putting up the points even against their bad defense. But we've yet to see it. Like Cleveland, you might think of them as long-term being really bad, but they came into this year like top five in overall offense, really good running offense. The passing game was actually somewhat efficient. So it was a good team that came in there. So I don't know if we can just think that the Giants are going to put up 35, 40 points, but everything we've seen kind of says that they can at this point. So I still like Dak the most just because of the stacking options. And the big reason why that we'll get into is just the weapons are still not that expensive. They're really not. And, and, and I was a little bit confused by that, but I guess it shouldn't come as a huge surprise to us. DraftKings uh, has only has nobody priced above 8K this week, Ben. The only player priced above 8K is Christian McCaffrey at 8,600. Uh, it, it appears that they are clearly trying to make sure he's priced up in, in, in the event that he does come back. I don't think he'd come back this week, but next week, just in case he does show up like Debo Samuel, they totally screwed that up in the showdown slate. He was $200. Uh, fortunately for many, he didn't go off, but uh, what are you doing at the top of the position? You got a bunch of big names here that are going to cost you. Yeah, it's interesting. Unlike last week where to me, Lamar was kind of on an Island. Part of that was the product of games getting moved or canceled with Mahomes. Now we have very incremental pricing. You know, it goes down a couple hundred dollars all the way. Uh, so you're going to have specific price points that you could target. I'm having trouble with Lamar just because, again, it's only four games. I'm not going to overreact, but he doesn't seem to be as eager to run. Um, yeah, he broke off that long run, and he's always going to have that explosiveness. But for the most part, he hasn't been looking to do that. He hasn't been really threatening the 100-yard bonus, and he's certainly not threatening the 300-yard passing bonus. If you don't have either of those, it is a little difficult for him to really have those explosion games. I'm not saying the ceiling is gone, but for me, I think I would actually look to Mahomes over him this week uh, at home against the Raiders. Dak is tough. I, I really do think that they're playing just a product of ridiculous games and the Giants aren't the same type of opponent. But as Sal talked about, 
the, the Cowboys defense is awful and they're going to allow points to basically anyone at this point. So maybe Dak really is uh, just going to continue to do this. It sure feels like it. And it he sure feels like you're not looking forward to it. Now, he, he can't. I mean, being realistic, there are going to be games, particularly this one, where the Cowboys control the game on the ground. Uh, I thought that would happen last week. Obviously, it didn't. Zeke is due for a lot of positive regression, and D- Dak is due to have more efficiency and less volume just because of the nature of these game scraps. I mean, it's it's really bizarre at this point. You got 450-plus passing yards in three straight games for Dak Prescott. Right? They've lost two of those three. The reason they won the one against Atlanta was from a botched onside kick from the Falcons. And this team should be 0-4, and Dak Prescott is putting up monstrous numbers. I mean, are we going to see a passing yards record record from some quarterback this year, guys? Like, it, we have to, right? What's the, if it regresses? What's the record? I don't even know what the record is. I don't know. I don't care. I feel like we don't need to know. I don't know. It, it, he's at he's at seventeen hundred yards through four games. Yeah, that's a lot. What I mean, what do you want me to say? He's you know he, they need to make a four hundred yard bonus for the Cowboys because they're just <laughs> breaking stoop. But again, this stuff changes. Don't be a product of you have to look and say, okay, why is this happening? Partly because the Cowboys defense is awful, but I don't think. And Mike McCarthy said as much. He doesn't want. They do not want to play like this. This is not a team that's of saying. Not. You know, there are college teams where they want to get out and have games like this. The Cowboys don't want to do that. And no. against the Giants, I I don't know that I'm going to go there, especially, and our ownership tools will certainly project this, Dak is going to be really popular again. Yeah, he's on pace for 6,800 yards past. <laughs> I have a feeling that would be a record. Uh, yeah. Completely unsustainable. But uh, I will throw Josh Allen out there too. This just might be one of those spots where you get really low ownership now that his price is coming up. Uh, alongside some of these studs. Mind you, he came in 12 yards shy of the 300-yard bonus. He was out for a little while. I think he missed an entire drive, potentially two. Uh, So I I still have some interest here. Cole Beasley went down with an injury last game. I don't necessarily know what his situation is. From from what I was seeing is that he actually would, would be questionable going into this week, not seeing anything yet. If that's the case, you've got dirt cheap guys like Gabriel Davis and stuff that outside of Cooks or um, outside of Diggs and um, John Brown, sorry, that you could look toward, towards getting to in a, in a cheap stack uh, outside of quarterback, of course. What are we doing in the mid-range, South? Got Watson coming off, uh, you know, he has salvaged performance, right? Because he passed for 300 yards and two touchdowns. But I mean, really overall, if you watch that game, this offense outside of Will Fuller really struggled against the Minnesota defense that's been carved up by pretty much everyone they've faced thus far. Roethlisberger against the Eagles, Jared Goff against the Washington. Um, it's an interesting range. How much do you actually like this, though? Yeah, it's it's kind of a dead space outside of the payup options that we were just talking about. Like, I do like Watson, like opening as a 30 implied team total in this one. They are going to be favored. So all, all that stuff checks out. We're not seeing a lot of just mobility out of him. And the offensive line has been much worse than it was really last year when it was actually a a surprise the second half of the year. It's been worse since then. And you would think that maybe a little bit more scrambling, more rushing upside. We haven't really seen that over the past couple of weeks. Maybe that changes. Maybe it's just been a short-term thing. But 
I like it because look, it's barely in the six K range, but you're getting a little bit of a discount off the top end guys. The issue again, somewhat like Lamar becomes just the stacking options. You know, it's Will Fuller, but I don't know how much upside I can rely on for Randall Cobb. Brandon Cooks has just not been able to separate. It seems like right now at this point. So that's a concern. So if you want to play just a GPP game stack, it becomes a little bit more difficult to like trust all the weapons, but yeah, like uh, a Watson to Wooler stack is probably something I'm going to own this week. That's at 6,900. I liked when I looked at this like yesterday before the game started on Monday night, I like what Matt Ryan looked like, right? This matchup against Atlanta at 6,100 towards the, the bottom of that mid range in the 6K range. Open as a 55 game total now. Last time I checked, it's off the board. Carolina's defense is 26th overall. Yards per attempt numbers have been up for Matt Ryan, but we got to just see what happens with these receivers now. Julio left the game with a hammy down a short week now since they played on Monday night. Ridley might have been banged up yesterday, didn't really do much, no catches. So it's a concern, but he's still really cheap at 61. He's going to be somebody that I'll consider and just really track Julio's status. Deshaun Watson actually said that the Vikings schemed to take away Cooks, which is, I don't know, interesting to say the least. Ben, the mid-range, what are your thoughts? It's There's not a lot of thoughts here. I mean, I think you have to look to Watson uh, and Matt Ryan, and it's almost by default in a way. I, I don't have a lot of interest in Roethlisberger. I think he's fine, but he doesn't really stand out. Goff, same thing. Minshew, blah. And then we get into the depths, and there's really not that much there. It's either tough matchups or guys that aren't doing too much. So uh, Houston is a team, again, they've been – and same with Atlanta. I think people will overreact to an island game that – you know, a lot of people played a two-game slate, and they played Matt Ryan. He gave him no touchdowns, and now everyone's banged up. This is still a team that can move the ball, though, through, through the air. They're going to have to, and they're going to give up points, similar to Dallas. I mean, they they had no secondary to begin with, and then there were three or four guys last night that got hurt for the Falcons. So it's not a big stretch to think that Ryan is going to be asked to put up a lot of points, and, you know, he's the volume will be there at 6,100. Dude, that Falcons team is decimated by they got nobody left it is really bad i think they were down to their fourth string safety at one point i I mean just insane type of injuries in that secondary not like anything i've seen in a while or ever uh sticking with you for a minute ben daniel jones oh yeah i don't know how he's not going to be chalk i i know everyone here's the thing i know everyone (laughs) acts like oh how could you play daniel jones how could you play daniel jones he's terrible yeah Nobody's saying he's good. I can assure you of that. But if you put it in context, he's faced the Rams, who have a very strong secondary. He's faced the San Francisco 49ers. He's faced the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who arguably have the best defense in the league. So I don't know. If if I'm going to look at this, if I... If I zoom... if If you zoom out and look at this entire picture for Daniel Jones, on one hand, he's been terrible. And he needs to own that, right? And we need to acknowledge that. On the other hand, it's not like he's been terrible against the Bengals and the Cowboys and the Falcons and so many other teams that have been absolute sieves on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to sell me. I tried to play him <laughs> last week a little. Uh, did not work. And the, the points you you make are valid. It's been tough matchups. Listen, it comes down to their team total. They've had anemic team totals for obvious reasons. He's doing the best he can. He has no line. He's running the ball, and that's salvaging a little bit. Uh, we hope that he maintains that. You got to you got to score touchdowns, though, against the Cowboys. This is certainly a different tier of matchup for him. If he's popular, that's going to be an interesting situation, just because the allure of him to me was he has a, a decent ceiling, and no one in their right mind would go to him uh, if he suddenly becomes chalk. 
It's going to be an interesting build. I may look to pivot to Carr or somebody else down there, uh, but I'm not going to write off a guy that I still believe has a ceiling despite the turnovers and the bad offensive line. And maybe they'll score a touchdown this week. Who knows? Sal, what are your thoughts here down at the bottom? You've got Daniel Jones. Um, I think we could at least spend a minute on Derek Carr if you want to do that too. He's been he's done a pretty good job from an accuracy standpoint, and he is an accurate quarterback. He just makes some rough decisions uh, and is very seldom going to throw the deep ball. But uh, some pretty decent performances from him. Kansas City's defenses look pretty stout. Uh, but below that 6K range, what are you targeting early in the week? Yeah, so I'll nod to Daniel Jones, too. I think he looks strong. Dallas doesn't have a pass rush, and, like, the one issue is that outside of the really tough matchup you were touching on, like, that offensive line for the Giants is rough. So if he just gets a little bit more time, you have Slayton, you have Ingram, you have Golden Tate to an extent to stack up with in tournaments. So I think he looks good. And then for me, I like Teddy Bridgewater. We saw last week. I like him a lot. That, like, yeah, we saw that first. I, I was kind of concerned, like, do you have a GPP-winning upside, like, score in you? We saw it last week. He gets him with a rushing touchdown, three total touchdowns. So they're just – other quarterbacks like Dak went absolutely ridiculous, but he has that ceiling in him. Robbie Anderson looks like he's like an alpha on that team right now. Looks really good. DJ Moore still cheap. So DJ Moore is 6K, the most expensive receiver. We'll get to that, but like their stacks are really cheap this week and Teddy's cheap too. So you can stack that whole team up without even touching the 6K range. And then there's options obviously on Atlanta, just a ton of them to try and get different if you want to run it back. So I think Teddy looks good and really even all formats in cash too, if you really wanted to go there, I think you probably have better options, but GPPs, I probably like Teddy Bridgewater the most in the 5K range. Daniel Jones, I'm not getting a lot of interest right now towards Derek Carr. If Henry Ruggs gets healthy and we know that he's going to be healthy, he was doubtful last week, then missed. If he's going to be out there, I'll have a little bit more interest, but it's the same thing. Like I feel comfortable stacking Darren Waller with uh, Carr, and I really don't think there's anybody on the Chiefs to stop Waller or limit him that much. But then after that, I don't know how much I want to have of Zay Jones and the Nelson Aguilers of the world. Yeah, I agree. That's the problem. It's harder to stack them. Uh, one more guy I'll throw out there before we move on. Uh, CJ Beathard is probably going to get a start here it's ugly for sure but garoppolo is probably going to be out it's against the miami dolphins who knows uh, he actually looked pretty competent uh, in those final few drives with with uh, nick mullins being benched all right ben talking about running backs hey hit the thumbs up by the way if you haven't done so yet it helps us greatly subscribe hit the notification bell as well really the easiest way to help support us and I think like only 40 or 45% of the people that actually watch our channel are subscribed to the channel. So remedy that wrong. Ezekiel Elliott, 7,800. He has pretty much salvaged his recent performances with his pass catching, which I don't think anyone would have assumed would be the case uh, before the season began. He's been peppered with targets because they can't continue to force feed him the ball on the ground because they're playing from behind for every minute of every game. Derrick Henry against Buffalo, uh, a team that just locked down Josh Jacobs the other day. He's $7,000, though. So there's some weird prices in this upper tier. Really weird. Strangest, you know, in terms of positions, this was the one that I was most surprised at. Not that the order is wrong, just kind of where it fell. Uh, you mentioned Zeke. Listen, same thing as I said last week. I, I do think that the Cowboys are going to have games where they control the tempo and that's going to help him. He's still finding volume. It's just a lot of it's in targets, the end zone. He's got four touchdowns in four games, so you can't complain, but I still think that Zeke is as safe as they come. And you just get some weird guys like Connor is there. You've got Edwards Alaire, who's again, pretty safe just because he's going to get some targets and such a prolific offense. There's a lot of touchdowns to go around, but I don't see a ton 
up here. You know, if I, I like Zeke a lot. And then really to me, these are just all kind of tournament plays. There's not a ton that stands out at that top tier running back. Sal, uh, Josh Jacobs leads the league and carries with 83. Derrick Henry is second with 82. The difference between the two of them is Derrick Henry's only played three games. Yeah, his his role is just absolutely insane. And there's just an argument to say, like, he's fresh, right? Like, Derrick Henry, it's the beginning of the year, and he just got himself a bye week in the early season. So, like, Buffalo's interior, before they faced last week Las Vegas, like, Las Vegas's line has been sketchy to say the least, probably bottom third in the league right now, just based on like all their run blocking efficiency coming into last week. It didn't look good. Jacobs was only able to produce like three and a half yards per carry, but Buffalo's line has been fine. It's a little bit better or Tennessee's line has been fine. It's a little bit better in that regard. And yeah, if I'm going to be getting 20 plus touches, if the game just stays relatively close and then if it's a neutral game script, they take a lead. You're going to look at 25 plus touches. Henry looks good at $7,000. Um, I don't know how much I want to play him in cash because of the game script, how it projects out right now. Uh, that's probably where I'd get to Zeke. But yeah, I like Henry for GPPs. It is going to be a better spot for him, and you just trust the volume. I really like Henry for tournaments. $7,000, there's just the ability to smash that price point if you're him. You know, he'll have some... The, the difference between Henry and Zeke is that if if Zeke and the Cowboys fall behind, we're seeing that Zeke can actually do a very good job of making up for that uh, or mitigating the the discrepancy in in uh in carries but he's had eight 11 and seven targets over his last three games all of which they've been playing from behind that won't be the case with derrick henry but i i would assume that this game stays pretty competitive what's the t- what's the line on it right now do we have oh we don't have anything yet you got taken off was there a reason for that is it because we still don't know if the titans are playing this week yeah i think it's covid yeah. R- related yeah um, i saw like a look ahead line it was like Six and a half was a Buffalo favorite, but that all got taken off. Wow, six and a half in Tennessee. Huh. I would take Tennessee there. Give me give me six and a half. Uh anyway, Ben, James Connor at Philly, that's a pretty tough spot. If there's one aspect of that defense that's still pretty good, it's the run defense. Uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire, kind of disappointing yesterday, right? The 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 one positive we can once again take away from this is he is the 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 alpha, he is the bell cow back there. He saw 19 targets or 19 total looks in that game. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm assuming that the Kansas City Chiefs ran a lot less plays than they normally would because they had a defensive touchdown and Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick did everything he could to slow that game down and keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, which actually worked for the first half. Yeah, I mean, that that strategy works as long as you don't turn the ball over. And we saw what happened. They left points out there. The refs screwed them with that bad whistle right before half. I don't, you know, Patriots have got enough breaks, so too bad. Um, looking at the slate, though, the guy that I think, I don't want to say he's a mystery, but of course Chubb going down opens the door for Kareem Hunt. And we know he's going to launch into that primary role, but I watched that game they were very eager to get other guys involved, whether it's Dearness Johnson and a handful of other guys in that backfield. I don't think that Kareem Hunt suddenly becomes a workhorse back. He's definitely going to get some volume, but at home, price is reasonable. He's going to get a big boost in ownership, of course. I'm not running to the window to really get to him. I'm not saying I'm opposed to it, but I don't think that this is just suddenly going to be a true workhorse role for Kareem Hunt. I don't think so either. And actually, let, let's go over to you here, Sal. First of all, the Dallas Cowboys allowed 307 rushing yards, which is 
unbelievable. I I still I still have trouble wrapping my head around that. Like the there are two teams that have both played four games that have allowed well under 300 yards. So that's just that gives you a good idea of how how bad they've been. Indiana Indianapolis has a pretty strong defense. It isn't to say that I don't have interest in hunting here. I think we should, but we definitely saw it was a Dearness Johnson carried yep. the ball like 19 times or something crazy, or maybe it was for 90 something yards, but you know what I'm getting at. He was worked in pretty heavily. Uh, this was, this became a committee approach and maybe a lot of that was because they were playing with the lead, but uh, yeah, Dearness Johnson had 13 for 95. Uh, and then you even saw Dontrell Hilliard get five carries for 19 yards uh, this, as far as snap counts are concerned, and then go ahead, Sal. You had uh, 19% for Chubb before he got injured, 35% for Hunt, and 23% for Dearness Johnson, and 20% for Hilliard. So he obviously got more than everyone else, but not by a ton. Yeah, so I, I think I'm going to end up being on the opposite side of this one, at least early in the week. I think that Hunt might take on a really big role in this offense, mainly because – so last week during the week he was logging, like, limited practices. I think he might have missed the Wednesday practice – and they said that they were going to try and work him in. And after all this, he goes out there and he doesn't really get a lot of touches in between the twenties. They don't use him in the passing game, but they give him everything in the red zone. He has the two rushing touchdowns and he was averaging like seven yards a clip or six and a half yards a clip. He looked good, but it seemed like they wanted to limit him even before Chubb got hurt just a little bit more. I'm right now. I'm thinking it's injury related. I don't know hundred percent, but I want to track what happens this week. Like if he's logging full practices, uh, the entire week or most of the week, I'll feel a little bit more comfortable in it. But yeah, Dearness Johnson looked good. So like he at least earned the right to potentially get a little bit more work either way. But I think Hunt, he's definitely going to be involved in the passing game against an indie team that'll let running backs just catch some of those passes in front of them now going on three years with the same defensive coordinator. So I like Hunt at 6,500. Their offensive line is fantastic. The Browns right now, Indy's defense is really good. So it's kind of just going to be seeing which one is going to end up being better in this game. But right now, 6,500, I think I'm going to like Hunt here in this spot. I think he should probably be a couple hundred dollars more expensive. What do you make of James Robinson? Played 75% of snaps last game. Um, he was the only running back to see any targets. Went from six and six, tied with Chris Thompson in week three, four and four tied with Thompson in week two. He saw one to Thompson's two in week one. And now he went with all, he got all four running back targets in uh, in week four. Not only that, but James Robinson also saw every running back carry, which he's now seen for a couple of weeks. The volume here is pretty significant against a Houston team that's been carved up defensively. I don't know. If, I don't know if we ever thought we'd be even considering James Washington at a price point like this. Sorry, James Robinson, but he he is like you can at least make an argument, Sal, that with this matchup and the workload that he's been getting, which is exclude the exclusive member of the backfield that's getting any work that James Robinson could have a decent game here. Yeah, it's crazy because if you look at the two running backs in this game, the one is named James Robinson. He's $1,500 more expensive than David Johnson as a six-point underdog. It's just, it's crazy. Like, I, on the surface, I don't want to play James Robinson in anything when there's like, I think there's like 12 running backs within like a $500 difference or something on this slate in the six K range. Like, it's crazy. But knowing that, he's probably going to be, I don't know, four or 5% owned. He's getting another 20-plus touches in a game last week where they were trailing or in a neutral game script most of the time. And he's more involved in the passing game than Chris Thompson. So yeah, right now I have him in a player pool, but he seems like one of the guys that's probably going to be first out in that one. Just everything sets up bad for him, but he's just getting all the work right now in all parts of the field. So he's viable for me to be in a player pool, but I'm sure some of these other guys at like the low six K range will probably jump him. Yeah, it's certainly tough, but if I'm getting James Robinson virtually unowned, I have no problem getting there. 
Similarly, someone like Joe Mixon had been struggling, not, not to say Robinson was struggling, but Mixon was getting all of the work uh, and still getting a lot of opportunities. He just hadn't capitalized on it yet. I think Robinson has been doing both. So if he comes in at basically no ownership, I'm willing to get there. Ben, what are we doing with the mid-range and a little bit below it? Yeah, I mean, you said it. These guys, you know, if they're getting the work, the results will come, especially when you get the positive game script. That's really what you're looking for to match it up. The other guy that, and this feels, this is the opposite. This feels like chasing, but, you know, Sal mentioned that Bridgewater is showing some life. Mike Davis has really filled in. Obviously, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but man, he is doing a lot of the same things they want to do with that offense. Another six targets last week, easy five receptions, found an end zone on the ground with 84 yards rushing. This guy, I mean, if he's going to have 20 plus combined touches and, you know, a third of those are targets, that's pretty reasonable at 6,400 against an Atlanta defense. We already talked about, they are running out of players fast and furious. So I, I think Carolina is in a great spot overall. I never thought that I would chase Mike Davis, who is rising in price, but I do have some interest in him this week. Reggie Bonifant got a little bit of work, which was, you know, less than stellar. I think two targets and got a little bit of work on the ground, but yeah, Mike Davis has still been wildly uh, Im impressive. 21 looks last uh, this week, 22 looks the previous week, 13 and nine, 16 and six. I mean, those are the type of numbers that they can win you tournaments for sure. And now it's going up against an Atlanta team. I don't disagree with you. I, I never thought I'd be talking about James Robinson and Mike Davis at mid six K price points, but here we are. Uh, Sal, now it's about time that we get down into this, this, this disgusting range where you've got, and if you want to talk about Jacobs, you can, but. If you want to, or getting down to here we go, Kenyon Drake, colossal disappointment this season. It's 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 really incredible. Uh, and then not only has he been a disappointment on the ground, but Chase Edmonds is out producing him big time in the passing game. Drake didn't even have a target last game, in in one where they were playing from behind. That is terribly concerning. Uh, and then you have someone like uh, Henderson, where it's just a mess. It's a complete uh, timeshare situation there. Hot hand gets the ball. David Johnson with Duke Johnson returning lost a lot of opportunities in both phases of the offense. The reason I mention these guys is because David Johnson's got a matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just seeded a monster performance to Joe Mixon. Kenyon Drake's got the Jets, and I know people will say, yeah, but the Jets have a good run defense. Yeah, they do. But at the same time, Sam Darnold probably doesn't play. They probably have the ball. It, the the Sorry, uh, Arizona probably has the ball for like 40 minutes in that game. Uh, and then Henderson's against Washington. But what do you make of them? All these guys really in, in, four, in spots where they could be great, but they could all also just completely disappoint as they've done many times before. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty gross here. So is there any update on Kenny and Drake? Like, I know he came out of the game, like the final drive or two of the fourth quarter. Yeah, they said it was just a, um, they said it was just a concussion. Sorry, he just got the uh, wind knocked out of him, but he was totally fine. Okay, so he's probably going to play then. Yeah, it, it's no, he's got it. Like he's one hundred percent fine. Won't even go on the injury report. They said. Gotcha. Cool. So yeah, I mean, he's had two of the best matchups you could possibly have, like the last two weeks, and even in a perfect game script last week where they're trailing to the Panthers, who look pretty decent now. Uh, over the last couple of drives of that game, last couple of quarters, he just does nothing. He's like not out there for any targets. 
It's Chase Edmonds to an extent. They're really not using running backs in the passing game. So it's really hard to like him. Like, I think he should probably be cheaper than 5,700. So I would lean David Johnson there. I think most of the field will lean David Johnson there. It's worth mentioning that Duke Johnson, I was like tracking on the app and I was excited to see a couple 15 yard catches or 15 yard catch for David Johnson. Now it's Duke Johnson. So uh, yeah, David Johnson with Duke Johnson there, it's not as much volume, but he still was getting all the work inside the red zone goal line. Still saw a couple of touches and he's just $5,200 in this nice matchup. So Everyone will probably gravitate there. I think it's fine to go there, but Antonio Gibson might be a pivot option. I don't know if he gets above that like 10% ownership threshold. I think that's fine if he's right around there. The Rams defensive line, in terms of pressure, their secondary is good. Their run stop has not been great right now. Gibson got all the goal line work. It's kind of boomeranged each and every week so far with him and McKissick, but when when Gibson gets the work, he's been super productive. Got a touchdown, 128 yards last week total. So at 5K, that might be, that probably is the cheapest I'm going at running back as of right now this week. Pro Football Focus actually has them ranked uh, 20 or 30th in run defense this season. Now, some of this is, we talked about it on yesterday's show. Some of it is more descriptive than predictive, but uh, there's no doubt that they have not been particularly stout at stopping the run. Uh, and Football Outsiders also has them at 25th in run defense. Ben, what are we doing with some of these 5K and below guys? Yeah, I don't think there's too much here unless, you know, listen, the way it's been going with the NFL, we have to see who's in and who's out. There could be some guys that pop up. Uh, but at the same time, there's just so many teams. And this was a theme going into the year. There's no, oh, a guy gets hurt and now there's a new bell cow. No, they'll use three or four guys and everyone will touch the ball six, eight times. You know, someone like Damian Harris, I, I looked and I said, okay, maybe this is the type of guy he comes in. He had a hundred yards last night. There's just such a busy backfield in New England. I don't know if I really want to go there. Uh, he's not going to get any catches. So I find myself pretty limited down here. I mean, I think you guys summed it up nicely in terms of what the Texans are doing. The Rams, I mean, I have no explanation for why Henderson is the guy and then he's not the guy. Uh, that was very frustrating last week. It's very hard to predict what Sean McVay is going to do there. So I talked about the Rams defense a little bit. Uh, Antonio Gibson actually got a lot of work last game. Were you, Sal, Sal, sorry, I was reading chat. Did you mention Gibson or were you talking about Henderson? Yeah, Gibson. He had, okay. um, I, I mean, overall in like an awful game environment for him and everything, he still, what, he had like 17 touches or it something? It was spectacular, yeah. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was that his, the amount of routes he ran was a lot less than I thought he would in a negative game script. Or, yeah, in that game script, I think he only ran like 16 routes. I could be wrong. But no, you're right. Because yeah, they keep using McKissick. Like he's, if anything, his best skill is in the passing game. So they keep using him. What about, and, and this is going to disgust you guys, but Sal, I have to ask you anyway, you probably even know where I'm going here. Devonta Freeman was, he was the guy that they really wanted to use yesterday. And if you remember, or two days ago, remember Devonta Freeman actually had opportunities. So he said to go other places. I have no reason not to believe him but said his agent said that this was one spot where he thought that he would be able to get more opportunities. And when I heard that, I, I didn't think he was full of shit. Like I 100% believed that. Why, why not? It's a, it's a spot where Dion Lewis could never get the job done as a bell cow. And Wayne Gallman has never been very good. Uh, but Devontae Freeman was targeted four times more than Dion Lewis. As a matter of fact, he led all running backs and snaps with 54% up almost twice as much from week three uh, which was his first game coming after coming off the couch. And the Cowboys just allowed 307 rushing yards. Now, I understand that this could flip on its head and get very ugly very quick. But if that's the assumption that we're taking, then we also have to look back and say, all right, well, nobody said that the Cleveland Browns were going to be up by 100 points 
on the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody saw this game going the way it did. Take, for example, the Minnesota Vikings against Houston or the Carolina Panthers against Arizona, right? All of those games went contrary to what people projected they would. Uh, so if Freeman's going to be involved in the passing game and his, he, he ran a good amount of routes last week, I'm honestly not that opposed to running him out here against a really atrocious Dallas defense. Yeah, I was surprised to see that like Gallman wasn't using the passing game, barely Deion Lewis. It was all Freeman. And you're not going to probably get it on the ground unless you are just banking for like goal line and red zone touchdowns from him. But you probably want them to be trailing in this game by a decent amount if you're going to be playing Freeman. If he had, what, four targets last week, brought them all in, you probably want that to happen. Let him run 25, 30 routes and see five or six targets. I think that's probably your like road to success for that price point paying off because that offensive line is bad. Like we don't even know. If, we probably won't know all year if Freeman is actually like half decent or not in the running game because he just won't have running lanes. Yeah, so like I don't think he's going to get much on the ground outside of maybe just sneaking in a touchdown. But at 4,600, if you think he sees five or six targets, yeah, he showed he can do stuff with them last week. So I think he's in he's in a player pool right now for me. It doesn't look great, but he's going to get some usage, and last week was encouraging. Well, it's the battle of futile lines there because the Dallas Cowboys can't, can't stop the run either, but I'd still give them the advantage. Uh, but I think Devontae Freeman, that was encouraging last week, just knowing that he's going to probably get a lot of usage in this game uh, and only more going forward, knowing that they're working him back into the offense. Ben, talk to me about some value here. And then, Sal, any value you have before we touch on the receivers? Yeah, Freeman, it's interesting because I, I, I think we truly won't know for a variety of reasons. One, we haven't seen anything from the Giants in terms of if they're in games, if they're trying to protect the lead, what the the distribution will be for a guy like Freeman. Will he carry the ball 20 plus times if they're winning? Uh, I don't know if we're going to know that for a very long time. So it was encouraging to see him get four targets that can bail you out, alleviates the game script issues. I mentioned Harris for the Patriots. I, I don't see a real need here to dip uh, with running back. That's just a position... The opportunity cost for me is too great. There's too many guys in the 6K range, even though I think there's not great plays there, there's high upside plays and there's tournament winning plays. So you have to take some chances in there. I don't think punting at running back is the effective move this week. John said, stop it, Laffy. Look, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, John. I do, but I'll just say this much and then we can move on. It's the highest total the Giants have had all year. And... The volume's been there. So it doesn't mean you have to like him, but I'm going to point out spots where a player is getting more usage. The volume is increasing against a bad defense with a 23 and a half point total, which is markedly better than anything we've seen for the Giants this year. Uh, that isn't even to say, I, I, clearly I'm not in love with Devontae Freeman. Like Sal said, we don't even know if he's still good. And that's the biggest concern. But is it possible that in a game like this, Freeman sees 20 total looks? It is. At 4,600, could you do something with that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it could also backfire. But anyway, let's move on here. We got a little bit to I go. Have, I have one, I have yeah, one please, thing that go I'll ahead, say. Sal. Sorry, I forgot in, about that. You, no, you're good. In the value range, that there's, a, I think, a good GPP play this week. Again, it, it's not going to look great on paper, but I think Duke Johnson will be a really good play. He'll be able to leverage off of David Johnson. You have the change in the coaching staff. He came back last week, saw nine opportunities, just as much usage in the passing game right away to David Johnson. And he's he's just clearly better in the passing game. So hopefully you get a new coach. They realize that either way, though, like David Johnson is going to be highly on maybe 15, 20 percent. It seems like Duke Johnson probably won't have any ownership. And that's just like the perfect leverage spot in a tournament. OK, Reggie Bonifant, man, he had 12 looks and a touchdown last game. How about that? I, this good. is not to say you're going there at all. I would not recommend it, but. 
man, they just pounded the rock. Talking wide receivers, but before we do, uh, for those of you guys that are just joining us here at Awesome O, you just found the channel. First of all, welcome. Second of all, hit that thumbs up if you enjoy the show. And third of all, check out awesomeo.com for all of the content we have. Uh, we just released a new Express Pass for $3.95 a week where all of our showdown content, ownership projections, player projections, the rankings, top players, all that is in, in, included for only $3.95. That's on top of everything else that was already included for the NFL Express Pass. But we have all access, Awesome O Plus, Platinum with PGA, with NBA, with MLB, uh, NASCAR, UFC, of course, NFL, uh, any sport out there. If they have contests on DraftKings and FanDuel and other sites, we have content for it. We have projections. We have ownership for it. We have the top stack tools. We have the lineup builder. We have the Fantasy Cruncher add-on, essentially everything you need to become good at DFS and a successful player. We've got you covered because all of these tools are built by the number one ranked DFS player in the world. And that's kind of what matters most, right? Guys want a ton of money, verifiably, and all of the tools that he built are the same ones that he uses and puts on the site for you to use as well. Check it out, awesomeo.com slash join. We got something for everyone. Like I said, whether you only have $4 for the week and you got to be careful with your funds or you want to step it up and get the all-access monthly if you're really in the DFS, if you're loving this, and you want to have the good tools, the good content every single day for every single sport, or you could do the all-access weekly, or step it up bigger and go with the annual. Look, there's something for everyone regardless of budget. So go to awesomeo.com slash join, check it out, and be sure to hop in our premium Slack chat if you do decide to sign up. Got people talking DFS, sports betting, sports, everything around the clock. It's a cool community. Hope to see you over there. All right. Sal, hit me with some wide receivers at the top. Hopkins, Ridley, Cooper, Diggs, all of these four above the 7K mark on DraftKings. Yeah, I think it's a good spot for a Hopkins bounce back and that offense in general. Like Kyler Murray in that in his fantasy performance got bailed out by the ground and just finding the end zone three times, but he was pretty bad in that game against a bad defense. But Hopkins still saw seven overall receptions. He still saw like a 29% target share. And now you get a price discount. He was 8,500. So I think in cash games, like I said with Lamar, I'm going to try and prioritize Hopkins and just see if things can fit in there because the target share is just still insane. It's locking in right now, probably on his worst days, like yeah, this past week, still a double-digit scoring performance. So it's just a really safe floor. You get the price discounted in tournaments. It might lower the ownership too, which is kind of rare to see that for a star player. So I like Hopkins up top. And then, yeah, it's hard to get away from Amari. His other options on Dallas – uh, at the wide receiver position are a lot cheaper, but he's just been absolutely dominating right now. Like he's just pretty much only behind Hopkins in terms of the target share, the overall usage in his offense uh, and the matchup. If it's going to be Bradbury, Amari moves around everywhere. Like he's about 40%, 30% in all of the wide receiver positions. So it shouldn't be any worry. And I don't even think any of those guys really can stop him. How about you, Ben, here at the top? Yeah, I, I mean, Hopkins is still, even in horrible games, the floor is very enticing. If you can get there, he is expensive just because he's Hopkins. We know he's going to have double digit targets seemingly in any game script. Omar is tough. I mean, he hasn't, you know, one touchdown, but the volume has been insane. Will that regress if, and when the Cowboys play a reasonable game, that's what you're really weighing. There are a lot of options within that game. The guy that's the most confusing is Calvin Ridley, who straight goose egg last night, 7,500. We got to see what's up with Julio. I will say, I mean, I, if Julio is ruled out and the ownership is really low, uh, I might look to him and Matt Ryan as, as a contrarian stack. There's easy run back options on the Panthers. The price seems, he seems like a clear overprice. And sometimes that's actually enticing when you're talking about tournaments because you know the ownership is not going to follow. So I mentioned this yesterday to Matt Kajeski, Sal, 
Calvin Ridley, I'm, I'm looking at the, the air yards here, and they haven't updated for last night's game yet. But the greatest part is that if you sort just by air yards, Calvin Ridley still leads the league in air yards by almost 100. And that's before you even include yesterday's game against the Green Bay Packers. So if there's one thing we know about him, he's got his, his ceiling is astronomical. Uh, I think just knowing how that Matt Ryan's going to air the ball out. Those are insane numbers. Amari Cooper second in air yards, by the way, AJ green falling like a, a rock because he's just, he's done. I'll take the L there. It saddens me. I really wanted AJ green to still be good. Uh, that's not the case. If you take a look down into the 6K range, Will Fuller uh, had a very solid game last time out despite a loss to a bad Minnesota Vikings team. 6 or 7, 108 in the touchdown. DJ Shark after a, you know, definitely an uncomfortable start to the season through his first two games. Bounced back in a big way. Uh, there are a few options here. Cooper Cup, I got to say, a little bit concerned there. He had that 155-yard touchdown, but aside from that, and it's a very short routes. Uh, him and Robert Woods just targeted on. I, I think Robert Woods only had what? Six. What did I say? Six for 35 yards. These were some some pretty discouraging spots there. What are we looking at here at the at the mid-range? You could throw Juju in there as well. Yeah, I, I think that those Rams wide receivers, like last year, golf was like tied for the league lead in pass attempts and it's just not the same this year. He's playing much more efficient from like a yards per attempt standpoint. So they don't and have they to have throw a run game times. again. Yeah. And they just don't have to throw 40, 45 times. If they're throwing 30 times, like those might be the performances that we're going to see if they stay this efficient. So that is concerning. Yeah. I think both sides of that game for the number one receivers that you touched on DJ shark and will fuller look good. I don't really like the full on game stack, I guess, to try and get more correlation, you could throw in a cob, but I think it's fine with just going uh, instead of doubling it up, you could just go with like a, a DJ shark and on the opposite side, have a Watson and a fuller. And that sounds very appealing. So I like those guys. Um, Yeah. I'll say on Calvin Ridley, I think he is a pretty good tournament play. Like Ben was saying, everybody just saw him take a goose egg. But if you watch the game, he had like a 35 yard touchdown on a fourth down that was just thrown behind him. Like he had a bend back. It looks like he dropped it, but it was just a terrible pass. And then earlier, he probably had like a 25-yard catch, could have been a touchdown. He was just wide open and left alone, and Ryan doesn't see him. So he Jair did shut him down for most of the game, but he did have his own, and he's still obviously a great wide receiver. So he's going to be just absolutely unowned. But, yeah, that like upper 6K range, there's not much there. You have to just track Julio. If he plays, I think that's a really fair price point if he's actually healthy. But this hamstring has been bothering him now for like two months. So even if he goes out there on six days rest after retweaking it, how do you feel comfortable playing him? The same exact thing can just as easily happen. I don't. Ben, uh, close. Close out the 6K range for us. I'll just throw a couple more players into the mix. Uh, Terry McLaurin leads the league in yards after catch. He's been spectacular in that respect, and he's had a couple of tough matchups. Uh, and then Tyree Kill is below 7K against the Raiders. It's just it feels like that game is about to happen. It, it, you know, it's all gut feeling right here, but he, he's been very consistent. He just hasn't had that monster performance yet. If that happens at 6,900, you're winning tournaments. So uh, what do you say the 6K range for all the way up to 6,900? Yeah, it's a Tyreek Hill. I mean, again, not trying to overreact to four weeks, but it, it does kind of seem like some of his boom bust is being mitigated by the fact that the Chiefs are so good. He's going to get some, but rarely is he going to have the massive explosions just because there's so many guys to get in the end zone. Um, and and now, they is, have, now they have Edward Soler. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, it used to be, where it was like all or nothing with him. He's had a touchdown in every single game, yet he hasn't had an explosion game either. 
I'll look to one guy, though, that I do think is being, again, these are tournament plays. Hollywood Brown hasn't done much. And again, Lamar has been somewhat quiet in that passing game. But at the same time, he's still the clear burner on that team. We know Andrews is a threat, but he should have scored last week, got tackled on the one. 6,300, certainly not going to stand out to people. He will be lost, consistently getting five-plus targets in every game, and he doesn't need a ton of targets to have upside. Hasn't scored yet this year. Hollywood Brown's going to be just fine. I think if you're looking for a guy uh, with big-time upside, you could do worse than him at 63. Sam asks, why is Anderson slept on so hard? Not here. Not if you've been watching this show, man. It was my favorite pivot off of the chalk wide receiver DJ Moore last week. Uh, Anderson has been essentially pacing DJ Moore in, in target share. And I tweeted yesterday that Robbie Anderson is fourth in receptions in the league, seventh in targets, sixth in yards, second in yards after catch, and fourth in routes uh, yards per route run. Among guys with 25-plus targets, Robbie Anderson ranks number one in yards per route run. Uh, I don't want to say it's time to be concerned about Moore. I still think Moore is going to have some very big games. But Robbie Anderson has, in fact, looked like the alpha receiver that Teddy Bridgewater can trust, Sal. Uh, I like both of these guys this week. But, uh, yeah, loved Robbie Anderson last week. I will go right back to him and DJ Moore this week. Yeah, I, I like that stack. I mean, that like early on, I circled that as like one of the three or four stacks that I think looked the best. We talked also about how bad Atlanta's defense is in general in the secondary and just keeps getting banged up. They got guys in the COVID list and stuff. Who knows when they'll be back? So yeah, it, it's a good spot for Robbie Anderson. You, you sort of think like, is this going to flip back now to the DJ Moore side of it? If Robbie Anderson is chalk this week, I don't think it matters if you're going to stack them up to get a little bit unique. They're just all so cheap with DJ Moore being the most expensive piece of this offense right now in the wide receiver and pass catchers, at least not counting Mike Davis at $6,000 flat. So yeah, I like it there. I think Robbie Anderson is going to look strong, comes off of another double-digit target game at this point. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spot for an overall game stack. All right, what else do you have here? Uh, hit me with the 5K and your value plays, Sal, and then, Ben, you can close out the position. Yeah, so another reason why DJ Moore is probably going to go from being very highly owned to just not that much owned at all is because the same price exactly as CeeDee Lamb, and I think he'll probably suck that ownership away. I still think Lamb looks good, mainly in stacks, but even in cash still, like the price point's fine, still getting the targets. Should have had three touchdowns in that game. That kind of overthrew him. So, yeah, he looks fine. Not Mentioning Michael Gallup as well. The, thing, the big thing about Michael Gallup is he's going to be the inconsistent guy, it seems, this year, but that's fine for GPPs. Like, if you're not inconsistent, then you're just straight up bad. Inconsistent means you have that upside still. So you like that. He ran the most routes, had the most snaps. He's getting targeted downfield still. All five of his targets were downfield. He just has to click on one of them. So 5,400, I still think he looks good. And as the runback option, Darius Slayton, like you have Golden Tate at 46 in that game. You have Darius Slayton at 48. I mean, it just looks so obvious that you just pay up for $200 more to Darius Slayton for all the upside there. I think both are in play, but I like Slayton. I mentioned earlier that at $4,700, we have to keep an eye on it. If Ruggs can get back healthy, it doesn't seem like he was close last week, but if he starts logging like a limited or a full, just one full practice this week will give me a good amount of encouragement to get on Ruggs at 4,700. Ben? Yeah, Slayton's a guy that he's certainly going to garner interest now that Daniel Jones is going to be on people's minds. Uh, the tough one I looked at hard and I ultimately didn't don't think I'm getting there is these guys for the Niners. We saw Ayuk. That guy is a dangerous man uh, with that hurdle. Samuel is back. That was nuts. That was insane. That so was sick. underratedly insane, but but that's neither here nor there. I just, it, it's tough. These are a lot of guys you either have second and third options on teams or just teams that are really not doing much 
in the passing game, like Jerry Judy, it just seems like a horrible spot for a guy like that. Edelman, I, I was, he was, just looked awful last night. He was responsible for that interception, by the way. Yeah, solely responsible. Solely for the responsible, six. yeah. Um, just which is you never see that for him. So I'll go to a guy like Slate. And down here, you know, Sal just talked about it. I think this is worth reiterating. If you're consistent down here, that just means you're bad. Like you want guys that are going to give you a floor of zero because that means if they're somewhat playable, their ceiling is like 25. Uh, that's the only reason they're in the conversation. These guys who get you eight every week. That's not the answer. And with the Giants, there's been basically no touchdown. So how has there been upside? If that changes this week, these guys will be in a different position to succeed. All right. Uh, anyone else for either of you guys, or do you want to talk some tight ends and wrap this one up? Uh, at at $3,000 flat, is is Jeff Smith a play if there's no Brashad Perriman still? Dude, he... The, the problem I have, the pro, the big problem I have with this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a no. Is I'm not expecting Darnold to play, and right. that you'd have to also ask yourself, I guess, is is the backup situation in in New, in New York with Joe Flacco coming in? Is that actually a downgrade from Darnold? I don't know, but um, if so many. For a team that also has no receivers, they actually have a ton of receivers. That's the other bizarre thing. Like, right. they bring in guys like Jeff Smith, um, who I didn't know existed. So it's an interesting situation. I would, if I, I'll tell you this: if Darnold doesn't play, I would not go there. Uh, if he does, and I build weird, maybe. Yeah, that's always possible. I don't know, but I'm glad you brought it up, Sal. He's at least paying attention to it, the literal minimum. So, you know. Right. But, yeah, I don't know what the quarterback situation is there. Let's talk tight ends, defense. We'll give up one defense, as we always do, to close out the show. Um, by the way, you can check out all of our pod. All of our shows are in podcast form on any podcast platform out there. So be sure to check that out if you haven't done so yet. And if you haven't gone over to oddshopper.awesomeo.com, it's awesome. Ben knows we're working on something very, very cool. Yes, we are. It's going to be coming out shortly. I'm telling you, it's. I'm not blowing smoke. This is awesome. I've helped test it. We've helped come up with ideas for it. It's so sick at oddshopper.awesomeo.com. Keep your eyes out for that. Everything's free. And with all these sports books giving out free money left and right, if, if you're going to sign up for one and you're in a state where it's legal, be sure to do that through us because you're getting monster promotions, free bets, huge deposit bonuses, and you can do everything on Odd Shopper from track your bets to have a watch list and be alerted when bets uh, change or when odds change. And uh, really the most important thing is you can shop odds from around every single book and you can search players by name to pull up their props, which is my favorite feature. All right, Sal, tight ends. I'm not going to go high, low, mid for this one. Let's just rip off our favorite tight ends for the week because the position continues to thin out by the, by the week. Yeah, it, it continues to thin out. I mean, it's, it's going to be obvious ones like the four I like the most, Kittle, Kelsey, uh, Waller, and then probably Evan Ingram at $4,600. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a better tight end performance than what George Kittle did. Fifteen. Kittle's the best like, tight end in the league right now. I don't care what anyone yes, wants to say. Correct. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, Kittle Jr., his roommate Robert Tonyan, last night proved that he's uh, jumping. <laughs> he's. Uh, I didn't know they were roommates, but yeah, proved that uh, yeah. he's jumping up there too. But uh, yeah, th those top guys—they're not expensive. Like normally, you get like a seventy-two hundred dollar tight end. Like Kelsey's sixty-four, Kittle's sixty-six. You have a Waller at fifty-nine in a matchup where they don't really have much that can stop him out there at the linebacker position. So it's just going to be pay up. Like normally, I'll have ownership primarily to like three or four guys making up the far majority of it. 
And most of the time, it's just the top end tight ends, because if you get something from a lower end tight end, like last week at Trotman, you don't need anything and it's fine, but you don't have those weeks every single week uh, from just a min price guy. You're not having it this week. I would say like towards the middle to bottom to give some options, probably Hooper in a game where maybe they have to throw a little bit more in the second half. They ran a ton against Dallas. And then Eric Ebron was trending in the right direction before that game got suspended. So he's 4K. How about you, Ben? Well, I may have been multiple years early on Evan Ingram, but I will <laughs> get off this week with him. Uh, 10 targets last week. Obviously, he is in play at 4,600. If I can get up to the top, I will. You've got all of the big, you know, Kittle, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Waller. These guys are, you know, if you can play them, you should play them. Value-wise, I'm kind of in line with Sal. I don't see a ton. I want to see what's going on with Jordan Akins. He is concussed, but that's a that was a weapon that showed some promise for Deshaun Watson. I would like to target that tight end situation, but I just don't know exactly how it shakes out right now. So I think tight end this week, you hit in that mid-range with Ingram. If you can get up to Waller or one of the one of the top guys, that that's always a safe spot. Yeah, and the games that he's played. Um, George Kittle is seeing a monster target share and that's the way it should be against Miami. Now uh, I really like him. I actually would, I would, I would venture to say that 6,600 is too inexpensive for George Kittle. I think he should actually be up in the seven K range. Right. So um, he's just 50 receptions on 15 targets. You can't make that up with two different quarterbacks. Nonetheless, neither of them his normal starter. It's nuts. He's, he's spectacular. Uh, and I will get back there, no problem. Uh, I want your quick take, Ben, on Darren Waller here before we 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 shut this one down for the day. He's definitely seeing monster opportunity outside of that New England game where you know everyone will tell you Belichick schemes to take away the top player. Yeah, sure, but it was just one. It was it was an unimpressive game for him, and that had something to do with it. But he, outside of that, weeks two and weeks four, he's been targeted a combined twenty eight times. Uh, Kansas City's defense has looked stout, but they're pretty the reason the reason Sal didn't like Derek Carr earlier in the show, and I agree with that, is the same reason I like Darren Waller, because they don't really have anybody else to go to. Yeah, and they're in a situation they're in arrowhead. Like this you never know about game script, but you this is towards the top of the list of they should be trailing. Um, and so the volume is going to be there. He only has one touchdown on the year so far. What's not to like, honestly? I know Kansas City's defense is stout, but the Raiders have no choice. They have to attack with him. He is a tough matchup for any defense. So 5,900 is more than reasonable for the top option on a team that's going to be trailing like this. All right. Defenses. Do we go under? Okay, where are we going? Let's go under 2,800, Sal. Value defense of the week. Under $2,800, uh, I'm looking at it right now. I'm probably going to end up going all the way down just to $2,100 uh, Tennessee against Buffalo. Yeah, it's, it's it's not much of like the analysis side of it is pretty much that you can maybe get the narrative. Maybe Josh Allen just does his Josh Allen, but I think it's just the price point. Like $2,100 is where I want to continue to throw. Like that lineup that did, the main lineup that I played that did really well, I just played Miami. They were like minimum price. They got four points against Russell Wilson. It doesn't look great at all on paper, but it's kind of like the Adam Trotman play for people who played him. You can yep. get zero points from it as long as it's going to save you like literally potentially like $1,500 to do whatever else you want. So it looks like a serviceable defense at 2,100. I'll just play it. All right, Ben, what about you? Yeah, that strategy is super effective. 
if obviously the, what you want to dodge is like what we saw with the Colts a couple weeks ago. If somebody explodes, right. but paying down can be very viable. I'm going to go with the Texans. That's uh, they, they're, at, they're at home against the Jaguars. They haven't forced a turnover yet, but they're getting some pressure. 10 sacks through the first four games. Minshew, uh, I do think they'll get a turnover in this one, and it could be a big game for them. All right. Um, I was going to Texans as well. I I, I probably stick with that. I, I, I do worry that in, the Indianapolis Colts have a pretty anemic offense right now. And if that's the case, maybe Cleveland's not the craziest idea, but I was going to go Texans. I'm just throwing Cleveland out there because uh, I have to pick somebody under 2,800. But Phillip Rivers, is, huh, Phillip Rivers has not been asked to do a lot, but he hasn't done a lot. And Jonathan Taylor, in the same breath, has been fine, but, you know, he's been fine. He, he hasn't been spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. He's been good enough, but... Uh, not doing what a lot of people anticipated him doing in his rookie season. So maybe that's not the craziest play, but Houston for me, uh, I get going all the way down to the bottom as well. Sometimes all you need is five or six fantasy points at a position that no one goes off at and big things happen. That'll do it for us. Follow Sal at Sal Vetri DFS on Twitter, Ben at Jazz DFS, myself at Lafayette underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D right under our heads here. You can see it hit us up on Twitter and uh, you know, Join the party. We'll see you soon back here next Tuesday. It'll be the three of us for week six. Tomorrow, Matt Kajewski, Kyle Dvorak, and myself breaking it all down, taking a look at ownership and top stacks. If you're playing baseball today, make sure you stay right here. Coming up at 1 p.m., it's Jake Harry, Terry McBride with MLB Live Before Lock. It's the postseason, baby. Josh Ingham going to be back with Ship My Money. Alex Shar tonight. For NBA Live Before Lock, Game 4 of the NBA Finals. Nowhere else to be. We'll see you back here soon. There you go. Come on.